0: Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. Yesterday, I'm very proud. My daughter competed in this uh, solo and ensemble Competition for flutes, uh, for well, it's for musicians, and uh, she knows how to put this together. (laughs) I think this guy goes over. You know, she's been practicing a long time, and when she first started playing, I don't know how to put this together. When she, I should have had her teach me. When she first started playing, um, she wasn't very confident, but as she played more over time, her confidence grew. Well, that makes sense. In fact, yesterday, I'm really proud of her. This is a, this is a bragging dad, right? She, she uh, was so confident, she went into the room, and there were people that came in that she didn't know, strangers, and it didn't bother her that the strangers were in there watching her play. Like, I'm nervous trying to put it together in front of people, and she could play in front of people. Oh, I think I got it. So she played more and more, and her confidence grew gradually over time. Her confidence changed. There was a whole bunch of changes that were going on in her body, though, as she continued to practice her instrument. See, she started off practicing slowly, and she gradually grew to love it, and then she started practicing more and more and more. And it wasn't just that her confidence grew. There were a whole bunch of changes that happened to her her brain developed new neurological pathways. She began to understand music on a deeper level. Her mind began to change. Not only could she understand music on a deeper level, but her math skills improved. Her body began to change. She developed lung capacity and breath control and This is a strange thing, but this happens for people who uh, play an instrument and practice one thing over and over and over again. I don't even know how to put it back in the box. One of her hands, she has to stretch more than the other one, and the fingers on that hand have gotten a little longer than her other hand. See, gradual, continual habits change us. But it's not just like one thing about us change. It actually changes our whole person. Today, as we look in scripture about what God says are good, holy, godly patterns of giving, he's actually giving us habits that we can use that gradually over time will actually change. Not just our spending habits, not just our saving habits, not just our 401k, not just our retirement plans, but will actually change our entire person if we're willing to listen and obey. Let's pray for that right now. God, I, I thank you that you are so wise. I praise you, you're so wise. And then I thank you that you have given us this gift of your word, that if we would just submit to what you've called us to, to do and obey to where you've called us how to live, that we actually are, have a change within us that's for our benefit. Lord, today as we talk about money, would you allow our hearts to be sensitive, not to the talk about money, but sensitive to how you're calling us to live, to give you glory. Would you open up our minds to understanding? Would you open up our hearts to be transformed. And God, would you allow us the courage, inspired by your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit-inspired courage, to change and obey everything you've called us to obey. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Preachers are always hesitant to talk about money, and I don't know why. Not all preachers. There are some preachers that they say stuff like, my jet needs fuel too. Okay, those people are not hesitant to talk about money. But we shouldn't be hesitant to talk about money because money is mentioned a lot in the Scripture. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than almost anything else that he referred to when he spoke, when he taught and the reason why we shouldn't hesitate to talk about money and the reason why Jesus knew that it was ideal to talk a lot about money is because money reveals a lot about us as people, us as, as the church of God. How we feel about money and our attitude toward money actually reveals our maturity that we have in Christ. How we hoard or how we give away reveals where our heart is in maturity with God. And so Jesus knew that, and he knew that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he spent a lot of time talking about money. And then later, in the letters that were written to the church... Uh, God also continued to give instructions about money. It's a theme that travels all through Scripture. But what I want to look at today is this little passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. If you want to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 16, we're just going to look at the first couple of Bibles. It will be on the screen behind me if you don't have your Bible uh, with you or if you don't pull it up on your phone. But there's this little passage of Scripture that actually gives us a godly pattern to follow that uh, God promises, when we follow his patterns, it transforms us. And the pattern that we're going to see in this little passage of scripture is uh, customary giving is a habit pattern that God wants us to uh, go, go for and use. Consistent giving and contented giving. Customary, consistent, and contented. Let me read this passage of scripture and then I'll, I'll tell you what I mean by those three terms. Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I will arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If It seems advisable for me to go also. They will accompany me. In this little passage, we see three habits of giving, patterns of giving that if you follow them, you follow them a little bit, gradually over time, it will change you, transform you. Not just your mind, not just your heart, but the way you think, the way you feel, and maybe, 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 maybe even your fingers will be longer in how you reach and give in the offering box. Maybe. First, it's customary giving that Paul talks about customary giving. And what I mean by that is they knew that there was a pattern of giving they were supposed to follow. Even in the very first church, now this is not Jewish believers, these are Gentile believers. The city of Corinth was not didn't have a a huge Jewish population. And so when Paul went and he began to preach to the Gentiles, those who were not Jewish, they didn't know or follow God's pattern from the Old Testament. But they knew there was something they were supposed to do as disciples of Christ with their funds, with their money, with their income that gave honor to God. It was customary. It was common knowledge. And so they had written a letter to Paul asking about this offering, and Paul was explaining it to them. It was a known pattern. But it's also a known pattern in Scripture. All There, there are these themes that flow from Genesis all the way to Revelation. If you start looking for them, you can't stop Finding them. One of the themes is the connection of water and spirit. It just flows all the way from Genesis all the way to Revelation. One of the themes is is uh, rebellion and rescue. One of the th- there are these themes. There's a giving theme found in all of Scripture. And we go back all the way to Deuteronomy. There was a command to the Israelites on how they were supposed to give. Deuteronomy chapter 14. It says it this way: Be sure to set aside a tenth that's where you get the word tithe from, of all your fields produce each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. Then there's some other instructions about giving in this passage. But if that place is too distant and you have been blessed by the Lord your God and cannot carry your tithe, because the place where the Lord will choose to put his name is so far away, then exchange your tithe for silver and take the silver with you and go to the place the Lord your God will choose. Use the silver to buy whatever you like, cattle, sheep, wine, or other fermented drink or anything you wish. Then you and your household shall eat there in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice. And do not neglect the Levites living in your towns, for they have no allotment or inheritance of their own. At the end of every three years, bring all the tithes of that year's produce and store it in your towns so that the Levites who have no allotment or inheritance of their own, and the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows who live in your towns may come and eat and be satisfied so that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So there's a pattern there. And it's a pattern, uh, Old Testament, and some of these patterns carry over into the future. It's customary. They know what they're talking about. They set aside a certain amount a percentage giving. In the Old Testament, it was a tithe, 10% of all that they collected from their Cattle, ten percent, all they collected from their uh, their produce, and then God said this was a, this was the coolest thing. He said he wanted them to take that ten percent and carry it with them to Jerusalem to have a big festival and eat it. And he said if Jerusalem's too, if that's too far away, convert it to silver. Then when you get to Jerusalem, you'll be able to buy what you need to have the feast. I. I this person is not in here right now, so I'm going to talk about him. There is a, there is a farmer in our community who brings us the first fruits of his crop and he brings it in a jar. He, he, he's corn farmer and he'll bring to the church a jar of corn. I just got to say, look at Deuteronomy 14. Convert that sucker to silver and bring it. So, so we can use it. We can't use it to help anybody. Well, I guess we can maybe have some popcorn or something, but we, we can't use it to help anybody in a corn format. And likewise, God said this is a pattern for his people. He said, when you go to Jerusalem, you know, it's hard to travel anyway. But now imagine if you're traveling with a 10th of all your crops in a wagon behind, and you've got to travel miles and miles, and hundreds of miles. He said, no, convert it to silver so it's usable. There's a pattern. Set aside a certain amount, uh, it's a percentage giving. And then they they knew, uh, that there was this phrase in Deuteronomy, so you can learn to revere the Lord your God. God knew that if he gave a consistent habit of giving, it would transform their heart where they would give more glory and honor and fear to God. I've been scratching my head over that all week. How, how can this customary Common habit, give more glory to God. And then I got to thinking, you know, they did it. They would eat together as a community of believers. And they would share stories about how God had provided for them and blessed them. How God had met their needs. Well, when you do that, your faith grows. It changes you. They would eat in Jerusalem, the holy place, around where God's presence was made known. And it would increase their trust and faith in God. They would eat around where they worshiped the Lord, and they would see all the items that their gifts had bought that honored God, and they would worship the Lord and fear him. They would give to help the priests, the Levites. The the priests didn't have crops. They didn't have land. They weren't allowed to own land, so the people of God had to supply for them, and they would also help those who could not help themselves. Those who did not have assets, those who did not have money, those who did not have parents, those that did not have job, incapable of jobs, they would help the poor. And every time they would do this, every year, year after year, with this common, understood, customary giving, it would transform them to trust God more. They would actually learn to love God. That pattern of giving is all through Scripture, and it comes all the way down to the passage we just read where Paul was instructing this new church that had no connection to the Old Testament. They were New Testament believers. And look at the the similarities. Set aside, beginning of the week, set aside a sum, the Old Testament said, in accordance to what your income is. So there's a percentage giving. And then it's unspoken, but it was known what this gift was for. They knew. They knew that they gave gifts to help ministries, to continue to pay for traveling preachers and church ministers and the poor. This particular gift was designed to give to the poor, but they knew it was still a gift for somebody else. And God knows that if they followed that pattern of giving, setting aside a certain amount, a percentage amount they had to think about, and that they were giving it for somebody else, it would, if they followed it and they did it consistently, which is what this word says, it would change them and transform them from the inside out. It's weird when you think about it that a habit that you develop over time can change you the way you think, the way you breathe, your confidence level, physically changing your body. But a habit over time can do that. Giving is the same way. Two weeks ago, on our prayer list, one of our church members it w- just prayed that they, they live on a limited amount of income, and they could not afford new tires for their car, and the mechanic said, you got to get new tires. In fact, you should not even be driving. Your tires are so bad. Two of our small groups heard Jacob preach about taking care of one another as a church. And they were convicted, two of our groups in our church were convicted that they needed to help this church member out. And they gathered together money, and they gave it to her last week. And she was able to go get new tires and alignment for her car. And she had $1 left over. It was the perfect amount. Okay, some people will say, I believe in God, but I don't believe in organized religion." But what if, what if the church was consistently following God's pattern of giving, trying to help others, and they set aside a certain amount every week, and they percentage it out, and they knew it was going to go to help people, and then all of a sudden, everybody got the help that they need. Not just once, and not, not not so that you can live in luxury, but just so you can cover your needs, and everybody began to see that our church helped people's needs, wouldn't they start saying it the reverse way? I believe in organized religion. It helps people. I don't know if I believe in God yet. See, that consistent, that customary giving, that pattern, it's not just about transforming us. It's about transforming people. Not only was it customary, it was known, but it was also consistent. This phrase here, This phrase, on the first day of every week, first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up. That's a consistent giving pattern. It's not supposed to happen one time for a person who's in need, although it can. It's supposed to happen every single week. Or, if we follow this pattern that Paul's laying out, every single paycheck. There's supposed to be a certain amount that you're setting aside out of every single paycheck that's going to go into kingdom investment. Now, I think, but I'm kind of partial, that your kingdom investment should go to your local church first. But there is a lot, a lot, a lot of great godly and God-fearing organizations that help people that maybe your kingdom investment can go to. But I know that when I give to our local church that we help our community of believers and that we have a group of committed people to make sure those funds get adequately put into places where we know they're being used for God's kingdom. Other organizations we don't always know about, but, but I know because we have a budgeted list of items where our offering goes. And the people that control that list is not me. So I don't get to pick my own salary. So if our offering goes up, I don't get to say my salary goes up. We have a group of people that determine, a group of really smart individuals, a financial team, and our elders that determine the salary of the staff. And they have placed in charge of our missions team uh, how to allocate the funds that we set aside for missions to go all over the world. But it's the consistent giving that allows us to know who we're going to help or not help each year. It's the consistent giving that allows us to say, we're gonna go into the community and help more people for God this year than we've ever helped before. And the command from God is to give. So this is not a guilt thing. This is an evaluation process. Evaluate yourself and your giving and just ask this question. If everyone were to give and invest in the kingdom Give into church offering like you do, how many people would you be able to help as a community of believers? Ask yourself this question When you stand before the judgment of God Almighty, and everybody's going to stand before the king on his throne, when we die, we are judged. Thanks be that Jesus Christ covers over all my failings. But when you stand before the king and you're examining your life, ask yourself, how much are you going to be able to take with you into heaven? And how much is he going to ask you, did you invest in his kingdom on earth? How much are you using to help people? And how much are you just using for yourself? Jacob, went this, this week, he said, hey, here's a, here's a story that might help your message. The statistics say that if you make $40,000 a year in income, then you are in the top 4% of the entire world's income bracket. And if you make $48,000 or over, you're in the top 1% of all the world's income. And this preacher said, we have a tendency to think we're not rich. There's another evaluation you can use. Um, if you have a room in your home that nobody sleeps in, you're in the top 1% of all the wealth in the world. Because every else in the world, people are sleeping in every room of a home. We had an Indian uh, from India visit our church a couple of years ago, and I asked him, what's the biggest difference between America and India? And he said, we were sitting in a conference room. He was on one couch and I was on the other. He said, the biggest difference is the space. He said, in India, we'd have 20 people in here. It's a conference room that can only hold 10. And he said, we'd have to talk over everybody else talking with us. He said, every home has people packed in where there's so many people and there's so less space. It's because we are abundantly wealthy. And we're going to be judged on how we used our wealth. So God gives us a pattern to use. Set aside a little bit each paycheck. Think about how much you can give according to that paycheck. And then set it aside to use for investment in God's kingdom. If we do that, it changes the way we think about money. See, as the Old Testament, this customary giving tithe and this New Testament percentage giving, it all is training us that we can trust God because he's the one that provides us with our wealth. He's the one that provides us with the ability to go get wealth. And he's the one that provides us again after we give it away. And I wonder is if sometimes I don't hold on to my stuff so tight that I don't have any open hands to receive what other blessing God wants to give me. But I find that the more I give away, it's more blessed to give than to receive. The more I give away, the more God seems to bless me. And I'm not talking about financially. I'm just talking about blessing. John MacArthur, when he writes about this, he said everyone should come to church and the number one thing they should think about and the number one thing they should get excited for is the offering plate. And I scratch my head over that because I'm kind of partial to the sermons. Nick's kind of partial to the music. But he said in the scripture, it's a common theme, common pattern that God blesses those who bless others. That the more you give, the more God blesses you. Those who sow sparingly, reap, Sparingly, but those who sow generously reap generously. That's a pattern found in the Old Testament and the New Testament. So MacArthur suggests that we should give more. But I suggest we should follow the pattern laid out in Scripture. Dr. Gary Johnson, he's one of my mentors. Uh, He doesn't know he's a mentor of mine. I've read some of his books and he's trained me and I went to some of his training live and he trained me and Dr. Johnson says, oh he is so intense, he's kind of scary intense and he was teaching us preachers that we need to go back to our churches and teach that we must give a 10% offering and we must teach all Christians to give 10% because that is what the Bible instructs us to do. And, and I wanted to argue with Dr. Johnson, but he's just too scary and tense. So I hope he doesn't hear this. hope he doesn't come find me, because he will find me. He's that intense. But I don't think the New Testament giving is 10%. In the Old Testament, it was the law that you gave 10%. And I think, the way I read it, is there were three 10% tithes. The first went to the temple... The second was for, that, was for the poor. And the third was collected every three years. So it was 23.3% tithe. Anyway, Dr. Johnson, he says, look at what Jesus says. He says, when you tithe. He said, see, there's Jesus in the New Testament, and he's talking to people about when they tithe. When they tithe means they're expected to tithe. The whole church is expected to give 10%. Well, here's where I disagree. Here's where I disagree. Jesus was talking to Pharisees, and the main point he was making is that they were tithing out of their um, spice cabinet, and they were tithing all their money, but they weren't helping their mom and dad when they got sick. And Jesus says, you tithe and you, you, down, to the, down to the cumin, but you won't help your mom and dad when they're sick, you got some messed up priorities here, okay? So his point wasn't tithing, it was about helping people. But he was also teaching people under the Old Covenant, which was still under the law of 10%. But Jesus comes along with a new covenant. And how much did Jesus give when he died for us? See, Jesus gave it all. And when Jesus calls you to follow him... He doesn't say, give me part of yourself. He doesn't say, give me 10% of yourself. He says, give me your all, your whole self. Comparatively, 10% is easy. 10% of your income is easy compared to 100% of yourself to the Lord. So the pattern that Paul gives Gentile believers who have no connection to the Old Testament is he said take a percentage of your income compared to what you make to invest in God's kingdom and then grow in your generosity see that there are some people that can't afford based on their income 10% but there are some people that can afford 80% and if we're growing in our generosity we're going to be less concerned about what we have here on earth and more concerned about how we're investing in our next life. And the way we do that, the way we have change about our thinking and our heart is we give consistently like the instructions tell us. And if we give consistently, it changes us. First day of the week, set aside a little bit, in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will be made. See, it was customary. They knew there was a giving pattern they were supposed to follow. It was known to them. They asked Paul, explain it to us a little bit more. We think we got it, but we need you to explain it. And then it's consistent. It should happen regularly, and it doesn't stop. This is a weekly thing. This is a bi-weekly thing. This is a paycheck thing. And then it's also a contented giving. Paul doesn't expect this to be a burden. Save up Every week, so that when I come for the collection for the poor, it's not a burden on you. Well, that means there's a contentment going on. That means there's not a scramble to give. Ed Blaus, he is um, our uh, facilities manager here. And uh, Jacob has told me the story, and Ed has told me the story. And Ed said that when they went to the church, they would pass a plate, and then as the plate would come, he would remember, oh yeah, we're supposed to give offering. And then he would scrounge around in his pockets until he found whatever was in his pockets and he would give offering. And he put it in the plate, and sometimes it was more and sometimes it was less. But because he did this action of putting in the offering plate, he felt like he had given. But he got to thinking about that. He said, does God only worth whatever I can scrounge around in my pockets for? And so he decided to change his habit. And he started to prepare what he was going to give to the Lord ahead of time. So that when the plate was passed, he didn't do a scramble. It wasn't just whatever was left over. It was something he had thought about. Set it aside. a Percentage of his income that would honor God. And it wasn't a burden. What did you call that, Jacob, when the plate passes? The offering plate shuffle. The plate comes and you're like. (laughs) He didn't want to do the offering plate shuffle. He wanted to give in a way that was honoring to God. But God says be wise. See, we have to combine these, these two sometimes conflicting, we have to combine this tension. Jesus says give it all. And he says also take care of your family. There's a tension there. Jesus says, don't be selfish, be empty-handed, be generous, and make sure that you have roof, clothing, and food. Okay, so there's a tension there. But the burden comes when you do the offering plate shuffle. Or the burden comes when there are people in our congregation that need food, and there are other people in our congregation that have way too much food. But if we do a giving that's customary, we know it's common, we give consistently, we're actually going to change people's lives. And if we do it in a way that's contented, like we schedule it out, we plan it out, God says he loves a cheerful giver. Somehow we have to give all and be cheerful about it, there's a tension there. When we do that, it changes us, but it changes others too. Customary, consistent, contented. Something happens when we do that. It changes you and it changes others. It helps us worship God, it helps us realize He owns it all, it helps us realize He'll give it back to us after we give it away. And it helps us be satisfied with contentment that we are honoring God in a way that brings Him glory and teaches those around us that He is loving through the church. Here's some things we can do. Uh, number one, if you have a family, if you have a spouse, would you sit down with your spouse this week and your family this week and evaluate your giving? Have a conversation. Do something. And ask each other, are we giving a consistent amount per paycheck to invest in God's kingdom? Now again, I think you should start with investing in God's kingdom in your local church, where you go to church, where you are building up the kingdom, where you know missionaries are supported, where you know kids are taught, where you know the Bible is preached. I think you ought to start with the local church But I don't think you have to narrow it down to only your local church. There's a lot of great, godly, God-fearing organizations that you can give to. But evaluate where you are giving and how much you are giving. If you are single and you don't have a family, you still need to evaluate. This is step one. Evaluate your giving. And if you need someone to talk to, find a friend to help you evaluate. Discuss what setting aside some every paycheck looks like and what the percentage is that allows you to be a cheerful giver in God's kingdom but allows you to continue to grow in generosity. Because remember, it's the consistent pattern habit over time that changes your mind and but it also changes your body, yourself. It does change you, your whole person. That's how habits work. Number one, evaluate your giving. Number two, choose an amount and begin giving it consistently per paycheck. we have drop boxes at the front doors that you can give in we don't we no longer pass a plate here, but COVID ruined our plate passing uh, pattern okay so we use drop boxes. Now, and I grew up in a church that, that passed a plate all the time. And so when I heard that we had to stop passing the plate back when COVID started a couple of years ago, I thought, how could anybody give? But I found out that there are other Christians that do church differently than we do, and that there are some churches that have never passed a plate. They've always done a drop box, and they were fine with their offering. During COVID years, our offering actually increased as people decided they wanted to serve and honor God and they mailed in their offering when they couldn't even attend in person. After COVID and we started attending in person was when our offering actually went down. Number one, evaluate your giving. Number two, begin giving. My family uses automated giving the church offers because we forget We don't carry cash, and sometimes we don't know where our checkbook is. So when the offering plate would come, we couldn't even do the shuffle. Sometimes I would reach into my pocket while nobody was looking and then put my hand in the plate and pretend I put something in there as it was passed. Okay? So we do automated giving, and so every paycheck, we have automated giving that comes to the church's offering. Maybe that's for you. Maybe you're absent-minded like me. Maybe you don't carry cash. Maybe you don't carry a checkbook. But I know what percentage goes in, and I know it's consistent. Now, God is calling me to increase my generosity over time. Evaluate your giving. Begin giving. And then pray that God would begin changing you in such a way that your offering begins to exceed what you have given in the past because you know it's going to increase your trust in God, you know it's going to grow your faith, and you know it's going to help people all over the world. Just this last year, our mission budget team decided to add a mission that we had never done before. I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again because it is so powerful Uh, There is a mission team that goes in and they rescue women and girls out of sex trafficking and sex slavery. It costs $1,000 per girl to rescue. A SWAT team invades a prostitution house, grabs the underage girl or woman out, brings them to a safe home, gives them clothes, medicine, education, and the Lord, and teaches them a trade where they don't have to go back into prostitution. Our $1,000 covers a lot. But it's kind of determined on whether our church gives enough, right? Consistently giving, when we get to heaven, God might ask me, how many girls did you rescue from your offering? I'll be able to say this amount. And then God might say, how much did you spend on Netflix, Dale? How much did you spend on eating out, Dale? See, I got to evaluate mine too. Evaluate, begin giving, and then learn how to increase your generosity. This 10 for 10 uh, sermon series that we're doing, um, we are going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to over the next 10 weeks increase your offering to a consistent amount that allows you to be cheerful givers. So wherever your offering is now, I'm gonna ask over the next 10 weeks, you work on increasing it. 10 for 10. 10 weeks of consistent giving that increases. Next 10 weeks. There are some churches, for example, life.church.tv, they say this, they say, If you give a tithe for the next 10 weeks and you don't see God bless you incredibly, you can ask for your money back, no questions asked. And so I will make the same promise. If you give a tithe for the next 10 weeks and God doesn't bless you incredibly, you can ask lifechurch.tv for your money back, no questions asked. I don't like that challenge. I know Malachi chapter three, verse 10 says, test me in this, give a tithe and see if I don't bless you. I don't like the challenge because we don't give with the idea that we can get it back. We give out of the response that Jesus gave everything for us. We give because we're so moved by his love for us that we can't help but to love other people. And we learn how to give by following a pattern that God gave us. And the pattern of trying to determine your amount based on your income to use all but also be wise in your giving is so much more difficult than 10%. Because some of you are going to evaluate and you're going to realize you can give 12%. You can give 20%. Some of you are going to evaluate and realize you can only give 7%, 3%. That's okay. We start with a pattern, we develop the habit, and we change lives, including our own. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, be sure to fill out a Connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.